0: This episode of Where Did It All Go Right? is sponsored by Pearson. Pearson is the world's learning company, supporting talent and helping everyone to make progress in their lives through learning. Working with teachers and education experts, Pearson provides a wide range of qualification routes, so you can pick the course which suits you best to develop your creativity and stand out in the crowd. Visit them online at go.pearson.com forward slash where did it all go right. Hello, welcome back if you've been with us since the beginning, or hello if you're new to Where Did It All Go Right? I'm Ali Jones, and we've got another great guest who will tell you about the pivotal moments in his career. We hope to inspire and entertain you. So this week's guest is LBC presenter Tom Swarbrick, Now, Tom presents The Late Show on the station and before that worked with Theresa May at number 10 as head of broadcast. He's also uh, got his own podcast, Royal Britannia, but he came on mine to tell me how he got to do the job he loves. Tom, I think the last time we met, I think we were, I was in the supermarket and... I saw you, it was ages, years ago, and you said, I want to work in comedy. And since oh then, God. yeah, you've, uh, you're broadcasting on a national radio station, you've worked for the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what went wrong?
1: It's been a laugh. <laughs> Gosh, that was a long time ago. Do you still um, want to work in comedy? <sighs> mm, I mean, I give it a go. Give it a go. You've but, given a lot of things but a go. It's, uh, no, I, I'm very lucky to have slightly fallen into what I'm doing now and completely love it. Um, but yes it's it was I suppose it was at that stage of life that uh, people get to where they're not quite sure what they want to do and um, when you first start out on, on anything really you kind of give different things a go and um, hope that you find the thing that you like doing rather than you know in 10 years time after you've lost the agility to be able to come out of it again you're kind of stuck in something you don't want to do yeah. so I got very very lucky Well really.
0: you say lucky and a lot of people I speak to say they got lucky but there's got to be a bit of talent in there and a bit being in the right place at the right time, Yes, yeah, as well. definitely. So if we rewind, um, you went to uni, mm-hmm. and you studied at Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So with the love of comedy and, mm-hmm. and all that, did you do the footlights? And did I did. you do performing? Because you perform now, don't you? On the yeah, radio. there's
1: always performance. I did do the footlights. I, re- I look back at it now and think, why on earth did I do that? How on earth? I, the idea of standing up and doing stand-up in front of a couple of hundred people fills me with such dread that I don't understand how I did it. I don't think I was very good at it. But the I I loved the obviously the feeling of it when it went well was phenomenal. When it went badly, it was pretty bad. But um, it was a great thing to do, and obviously that kind of that organisation and and the name that it has was a great privilege to be involved with, and it introduced you to a load of people who actually you look at now and subsequently you know they're literally on Christmas TV on the Go BBC. On, no writing there's a guy there's a guy called Tom Sharp who was in. Um, he wrote something called Flowers for Channel 4 and then he was in this uh, comedy on on the BBC about uh, the legal world and he was playing a barrister in that. He is very, very good and he was someone that he was... Um one of the head guys at Footlights when I was there. So you've got a guy called Liam Williams as well, who I went. was at the same college with at university. So you've got these these people who are starting to break through, and I just, I do look at them and think, it's fantastic that they're getting there, but my word, they've worked hard, and it's taken a long time for them to get to where they are, so they've done extremely well.
0: But so have you, you've worked really hard, and I'm interested how you go from getting a degree in theology, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you come out of uni, and then, where'd you go? Did it that you started in local radio?
1: I did, well, actually I started in marketing, because I thought once you finish university, you have to get a proper job, and you know, every all my friends were sort of doing, uh, accountancy, Deloitte, and all those kind of things. And I thought, well, let's try something else. So I went into a marketing job, which was fine, but I realised within a few weeks that I hated it. And um, very fortunately, they sacked me. Um, well, or, or they didn't renew my probation period, and I had a slightly awkward chat with the guy who said, "Thanks very much, but." you're not working very hard and in fact what I was doing was I'd done a bit of student radio and me and a mate who we'd both left, um, we spent our days messaging each other and then messaging into the student radio station talking to each other via the student radio presenter who was having to read out what we were putting in so we were just messing around and I, I, I probably wasn't a very thoughtful or diligent employee so fortunately they got rid of me and Probably
0: at the time it didn't feel very fortunate because you thought, oh no, no job. Oh no, no, I was money. delighted.
1: I <laughs> know, oh, I was absolutely thrilled. I, I was. Uh, <laughs> I remember ringing a mate and saying, I'm out. They let me go. I get to go home. It
0: was three months of it hell. Was,
1: it was. It was. I did. I genuinely hated it. I'm afraid. Um, so uh, yeah. So I then had to. I went home and um, tail you between know, your legs. Yeah, slight tail between the legs. And my parents were, throw, you know, I think scratching their head, thinking, oh god, is he going to be here for the next 15 years? You know, is this it? um and but what it did was age 22 gives you an opportunity to say okay right what um, what is it that i like doing and how can i try and you know if you're going to try yeah. that's the moment to do it
0: you can kind of reset can't you exactly yeah
1: so i having done a bit of student radio thought well i quite liked that that was really fun let's see so i knocked on the door at bbc radio oxford because we live near oxford and I can't quite remember how it happened, but I think it took a couple of meetings with the bosses there and, you know, they very kindly gave me the time of day and it progressed from have a chat, have a meeting, right, next week come in and we'll have another chat, right, next week you can come in and spend a couple of hours watching a show go out, right, the next week you can come in and why don't you make a cup of tea for the show that you're watching going out. And it just, it just took a bit of time, but within, I think, about a month... I was answering phones for the various programmes um, and just trying to soak up absolutely as much as possible and it didn't take very long before I completely caught the bug and just absolutely loved it Um, and so it progressed and progressed and then a couple of months from there they said why don't you come and answer phones on the breakfast programme
0: and you passed your three month probation. And I passed, well,
1: it wasn't, I mean, I don't know if this is, I'm allowed to say this, but there wasn't even any setup like that. There was nothing. It was you just, just like. wait for
0: the next phone call. Exactly. And you come yeah, in next exactly. week and the week after. That's
1: exactly right. I think actually by, so I think I started there in the March. By the May, they put me on a part time broadcast assistance contract, which was uh, eight grand a year. So, you know, this isn't... <laughs> Mega we This <bus>. not <laughs> my wildest Cambridge dreams. Cambridge degree, That's right. eight well, grand a year. You know, but, but, the, but the opportunity was there. And so I, 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 and I got so, so lucky because I got put on a programme that was presented by a guy called Malcolm Boyden and produced by a man called Harry Beer. And these were uh, very experienced, knew what they were doing. And crucially, they gave me the time of day. They weren't, uh, you know, here's another kind of dingbat, phone up. who's going to pour a cup of tea and get it wrong they um, asked me for my ideas and they thought what should we do next and they got me to write scripts and Harry took me through literally how do you edit on this thing and where do you get it? and um, I've still got it somewhere I had a notebook that I would take notes on you know literally file you press click file and then you go to new and then you know all these. I still things.
0: got mine, but yeah. the thing is that technology probably moved it's on. It's probably now. moved on. But you can't throw it away, can you? No, it's like a little I, learning guide. But
1: it was, and, and it was a it was a good. Uh, again, you look back at it now and you think, well, that's a clear indication that you wanted to be here, mm. um, and that is ha- always half the battle. You you can tell very quickly, I think, looking at people who are now starting out, that you can tell the people who want to be there quite quickly um, and so they you know I would uh, I remember doing my first live news report a guy called Jerome Sale who presented this sport who I assume is still there I mean, yeah, he's like yeah. a Ox- living Ox- Ox- legend,
0: legend. Yeah. Um,
1: and he I had to go down to the cricket uh, in the university parks and report on Oxford University versus Oxfordshire and I had I didn't know how to do this I didn't know what the you know what's the process for getting a report ready to go and I just thought I could probably I'll wing it. it will be fine, you know. I can it look takes at the quite scoreboard. A lot
0: of confidence there because a lot of people would go, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just I need some help, or I'm just not going to do it. But yeah, no, I think
1: I was just totally no. It wasn't it wasn't a blasé arrogance. It was just a complete ignorance and a <laughs> love
0: of it. You wanted to do yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and and he so he threw to me and I I, t- I preempted my dad. I said, Oh my god, I'm going to be on the radio, and he was sitting in the car listening and Jerome threw to me and I got the teams wrong, got the score wrong, got the place where they were playing wrong and he had to just pull the fader down and end it. And it was just, and my dad texted me afterwards and was like, okay, well, hopefully there'll be more moments where I get. I mean, it was do you, tragic.
0: Do you think now, when you think about who you've interviewed, you know, prime ministers and politicians, and your first foray into broadcasting was a bit of a disaster.
1: Total disaster.
0: Did, did you ever think back to that and think, wow, how, how did I get here then?
1: Yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. Um, but it was it, partly because people allowed you to make mistakes. Yeah and pick up from that and not go right well that's you done then and allowed you to grow and develop that that was the key
0: and it's like it's like an apprenticeship isn't it you're sort of learning on the job and learning so many different skills and loving it but I guess after a while you sort of climb the ladder you become because you produced and Mm -hmm. you presented Mm -hmm. and and you did everything in Mm -hmm. the building really
1: you've got to I think at that stage try your hand at everything Um, yes and it got to the point where. You know, I'd done three years and um, you know, I was looking to make the next step up, and it's quite hard at the BBC, I think, to, or it was then, to make the step from broadcast assistant to broadcast journalist. Mm-hmm. You needed a qualification. I didn't have a qualification. Um, so that, that became very difficult. So I ended up leaving and went into uh, conference production because I needed the money. Um, which was, again, hardly bags of money. We're back
0: to kind of marketing again.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and that was a real, uh, I hated that. And as <laughs> I remember, as I left BBC Radio Oxford almost in tears, um, the boss there said, you'll be back. Um, and I went off and I did this job. And again, literally the first day, thought, this is this is dire. Um, How long did you last then? Three months.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> so you needed the money, though. And it... By this stage, because uh, did you have family? You, you I was married. You were married, yeah. so you married. a bit more responsibility. Yeah, I was getting married. Yeah. So, what did you decide to do? I was just going to jack it in and try again.
1: Well, this is where the luck came into it, um, because throughout the three years at Radio Oxford, I, m- you know, met lots of different people, and one of them was a woman called Lou Burt, who had come to BBC Radio Oxford to look at the breakfast show and see if they could, you know, and and give some outside opinion on it. Hmm. She had just got the job as assistant editor at LBC, and they were looking for reporters. And i bumped into her, literally bumped into her on my way to the toilet at, um, at the Sony Awards in 2012 or 2011, um, where I-, I was because the thing that we'd done already, Oxford had been nominated for a Sony Award. And it was at that event that I bumped into her she said, what are you doing now? And I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm in conference production and she said, well... And I hate it. Yeah. And she said, well, do you want to be in conference? And I said, no. And she said, okay, well, well give me your number and let's talk. And within I think about a month I'd got the job as a reporter at L B C working weekends.
0: You say luck, but I think um you know, you're meeting somebody, you're doing a bit of networking at these uh, award
1: ceremony. Oh, I printed out copies of my CV and had them in my pocket to Did hand you? out to I, I was I was appalling. And it's the only moment in my life I've I, really, I was so blatant about it and it's the only, and I don't like it when people cuz you've got to be a bit pushy but you need to be careful about being too pushy and I was over the top pushy cuz I was just so If you hate me so much, yeah. I was so yes.
0: desperate yes.
1: to um, to try and correct the mistake I'd made. Uh, and you know, literally bumping into someone on the stairs was. But you say it was a mistake,
0: start. but in a way, if you'd stayed where you were, you might never have got to where yeah. you are now. Because, it was a risk, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you, you had to sort of make that move from, from Oxford, you mm. came to London, mm-hmm. and you just don't know where you would have got. Who knows where you'd have gone if you'd stayed where mm-hmm. you are, but ha- had a horrible three months, but then landed and started covering. On a national talk station. Mm-hmm. Some massive stories. It
1: was it was uh, at the time it was um London's biggest conversation, so it was a London station, but within about 18 months of me joining it had become it changed into a national station, so it became Leading British Conversation, which was a big moment for the company that owns it and for the station itself. And in that 18 months i got I'd done my stint as a sort of weekend reporter, chucked out on everything. I progressed and ended up on the breakfast program, reporting into Nick Ferrari, who you know, he is a legend, um, and
0: and covering stories that there must have been some stories that really affected your career in that it really got you got a name for yourself because you also got awards being a reporter, didn't yeah. you? Yeah,
1: um, that's right. I uh, I think it wasn't really. I mean, I made a documentary about slavery and modern slavery, and that seemed to that went well, and and um, that seemed to go down well and that got nominated for a few things and won a few things which was nice and then the sort of the best moment I think was as a result of doing the reporting slightly differently I mean I listened to a lot of radio and a lot of reporters sound like reporters and I was kind of determined to not sound like a reporter but to sound like I was enjoying it and having fun in the moments where you're allowed to have fun Mm -hmm. and doing things slightly differently. And I think probably that may be what contributed to... um, I won the Sony Award in 2014 as the National Reporter of the Year. And that was, I think, still the best moment I've possibly ever had professionally. Um,
0: And do you think winning awards and even putting yourself in for them, being nominated, opens doors because people get to know who you
1: are? I think it does. Ultimately, I think it does. But even if it doesn't, frankly, just the satisfaction for yourself of of having a goal and getting there and you know I never thought I would ever win it just being nominated amongst all these people in the BBC and elsewhere who were like you know household names was just incredible and the it was honestly when when the award and they said and I'd won and I went out that I was, I could not believe it and it just it made it all all the the stress and the um poverty and the the (laughs) the long days and the tiredness of trying to work your way up it all in that moment I was like okay this does work this Mm -hmm. system works That if you really try and you really want to do well and you're willing to put yourself out there and to listen and to Mm -hmm. learn then you you absolutely can do it
0: and what were the stories that were that you covered that were in that uh, award? Can you remember where you'd Gosh. been that year? I mean, you have been everywhere, haven't you? Because you, um, you followed the Trump campaign, you have right. been to America. Yep. Um,
1: this came laterally, yes. Yeah. So again, as the station sort of expanded even more, they sent me out to... I was in Lesbos when the boats arrived um, You know, from Turkey and the migrant um, crossings that were taking place in 2015. I was on sent a, across America on my own uh, to Donald Trump's Super Tuesday wins when he was running to be president of the United States. And uh, again there, th- this is why LBC is so great because they set the expectations incredibly high. Um, so my boss sent me on my way to America and said, your job is to get Trump. I was like, I'm on my own, literally yeah, well, on When my you're own. on your own, like, you've got no team. <laughs> I've, got no, I've, got no, I've got no ins with the China, what am I doing? And I managed to wangle my way into one of his rallies an incredible experience in the Deep South, unbelievable people, um, it was an incredible experience. And uh, I managed to wangle my way in, had no pass to get in, hid amongst the audience outside of the media pen and managed to grab literally 15 seconds of a question to Donald Trump candidate saying, how are you gonna be able to work with Prime Minister Cameron? And he gave it, I think Prime Minister Cameron's a great guy, you know, whatever. And that was in. And that was, oh,
0: did I hit record? That's right. Oh that's right. Gosh. And I got
1: back into the car afterwards, and I checked the tape. And I was like, I've got it. And I'm just thumping the roof of the car. <laughs> so I can't believe. I mean, it's not going to win any Pulitzers. You know, no, no, Fifteen-second question. but It doesn't what, matter. It's
0: what you were asked to do. That's right. I'm intrigued how you managed to hide when you are six foot. Whatever.
1: <laughs> I sat. You sat. I sat okay. yeah and okay. Hid okay.
0: but you know, you've got to be somebody who thrives working under pressure. You like the buzz. I mean yeah, going back to being in footlights and being sort of yeah. theatrical and you're liking comedy, that's gotta come from somewhere. I fear l-
1: of missing out. <coughs> Complete FOMO.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: but yeah, you're right. I do the, the that's the, the adrenaline rush mm. is the buzz of of um, if you've set very high targets you know, it sounds very target driven but you know they'd said you try and get marketing. this yeah they said try and get this and i tried and i got it and it was it was it was just again it was a great thing so they they sent me out on loads of different stories and i'd been to out to israel and I'm, you know that was fantastic to be suddenly you've gone from being on air and opportunities on, on air opening up to being on air around the world um, i was we were in the west bank when boris johnson was mayor of london and we were in a hotel and his whole trip to the west bank had just fallen apart because the palestinian authority had heard a comment he'd made about uh, i think the palestinian administration there and they pulled all the program that he had that day and so this whole thing was falling apart it was a big breaking story at the time and you're there right in the middle of it and i guess that's the thing is being absolutely in the heart Mm. of something that's happening and that people think is quite important and you can you can talk to people about it
0: but at that time, even though you're going all around the world and you're meeting fascinating people, did you hanker to be behind the microphone in the studio and be a presenter at that stage?
1: To an extent, yes. Yeah. Um, and LBC had given me some opportunities to do some presenting on a on a weekend, and that was uh, that was really good. But I, the the slight difficulty I think then was, you know, the um, you. Have to be, and it's right to be impartial as a reporter on air. And of course, LBC on air for a presenter is a slightly different. Mm. Um, you you can, but you can be impartial if you want, of course. But you, the idea is that you give a bit more of yourself and a bit more opinion. And and so, treading that line between, you know, I'd be I found myself on air talking about a story that I would later report on that would have to be impartial about, mm-hmm. rightly, and on air giving a bit. And it was just, it was, it was a slightly, it's quite blurred, yeah, it was slightly blurred, blurred mix. But um, the. The chance to go on and present was phenomenal. I mean, terrifying on a national radio station to just be, yeah, you know, and because there's no music. Uh, oh
0: yeah, there's no song to say we're back after Coldplay. That's right. There's yes. no
1: seven-minute Bohemian Rhapsody to save you. <laughs> You're just on, and I think there's been one so far. The the worst it's been was there was one hour I did many years ago that I think I had two calls during the whole hour.
0: Can you manage to?
1: Just about, I think. Oh, it was painful. I-
0: go through, get people to read their shopping lists That's, right, list that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. But it's always the bad bits you remember, and the highs as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. The highs and lows. So, okay, this is what fascinates me. You're the, you are the become the chief reporter mm-hmm. at LBC. Then, massive gear change, mm. working at number 10 for, for Theresa May's government. Mm-hmm. What was the job title?
1: I was head of broadcast.
0: So how did that come
1: about? Well, convoluted, but... Um after, Do they advertise it in the Times? Well, after making... So I made a uh, documentary about slavery at the time that Theresa May was Home Secretary and she was putting through this legislation about modern slavery. So I'd sort of had dealings with her team. And uh, they came in after, you know, I think a year after that, said, would you fancy a working in the Home Office? And I said no. Uh, and then... I was standing outside the gates of Buckingham Palace as she was driving in to meet the Queen to become Prime Minister and did think, wow, I bet that's I bet that's exciting. Yeah. I bet being in the middle of that's really exciting. Nice sandwiches. Yeah, lovely sandwiches. Um, and uh, they uh, they approached me soon after that to say, would you like to come in for an interview for this job? So I went into number 10 and I met people and they asked me lots of questions about, you know, doing the job. And so you were
0: ultimately you were headhunted, I suppose.
1: Well... I, I don't know because they, I know that they went for other people too so I know that other people interviewed for it and but they ended up calling me and saying okay, would you like to do this? Um, and I think the chance to if you've got an inbuilt fear of missing out and you want to know about things that really go on the chance to see behind the big black door at such a momentous moment for the country was too much <laughs> to turn down uh, so I went for it, and what were
0: the years that you were there? Then
1: I was there from twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen, so I was there for nearly two years.
0: And what did your family say first? You said so by this time you were married, you had kids.
1: Yeah, I had. Um, yes, I had two children. I who were little, who were very little, <laughs> so two what, what and you, two and just born.
0: What did your wife think about this then?
1: Um, I go for it. Yeah, I mean. It's it's so rare to get an opportunity like that that I think um, it's a hard thing to turn down, really hard. However much, and I completely loved working at LBC, uh, but however much you like the opportunity to see what that's really like. Mm.
0: um, And your dad would say, "Oh, you've moved on from doing the cricket scores, broadly in the parking lot." That's right. (laughs) right.
1: I didn't I didn't raise that at the interview. To be fair, I didn't talk about that. She is a big cricket fan. Yeah.
0: So I mean, I know you can't probably tell us. All the stuff I want to know, <laughs> because you've signed lots of yeah. secret documents. Yeah. But so, where did you live? Firstly, you can tell us stuff like that's. Do you yeah. live in government?
1: No, no, I lived in. I lived in my house. In oh, I see.
0: Okay, you don't live. Yeah. No, no, no. Might I live, didn't. You li- lived I, nearby. I didn't quite live on in. No, I
1: didn't live in number twelve or number eleven oh. or anything like. That. No, no, I lived in. I lived in near where we live in Kent. Uh, and um, and
0: the hours, extremely long,
1: incredibly full on. I mean, unbelievably full on. I was totally ill prepared actually for how all-consuming it was and how how much more all-consuming it came because of what ended up happening during the time that I was there Mm. um it was completely I mean it was your life phone on all the time phone on all the time waking you up yeah night. you know you're in the office for seven you're out the office at maybe seven um on a good day on a good day the phone is ringing all the time as you say um and that's just the stuff that you can deal with and you know that's coming and then there's the stuff that you don't know that's coming yeah. that completely blindsides you and then it's all hands to the pump.
0: So as your job, you were the person who would advise Theresa May on what to say, who to talk to?
1: There was a bit of that, absolutely. So the the um, it was everything from who's going to go on the Sunday programmes this weekend um, to a bit of briefing the cabinet ministers who were going on the Sunday programme about, you know... Here's, here's what we think you can say and the way in which you can say it, yeah. to lining up the interviews that the Prime Minister, I, I, I and the rest of the team thought would be beneficial for her to do, um, and then briefing her about the interview itself and how she could say what she wants to say during that interview. Um, so, you know, and then, you know, my obviously my boss was the director of communications who would have overall control of all of that, but certainly pitching in to say here's what I think we could say and here's how we could frame what we could say. But it was a complete, you know, going from one side of the fence to the other requires a complete flipping round of your mindset, which, which, to be honest, took a bit of time. Um, but it was just a remarkable, <laughs> well, remarkable I just, experience. Well,
0: I mean, the time. I mean, you said about suggesting interviews, but I know that she was known for not doing many interviews, was she? I think... Compared she, to Boris Johnson She sort of was known And there was There was a few Interviews where You know They didn't maybe go as well
1: I can't <laughs> I Really? Yeah. Um, she says subtly. Surprise me. <laughs> the, no, it was. I think for the first nine months uh, before the general, so there was before the general election government and after the general election, two very distinct periods for obvious reasons. Before the general election, it was a bit more government by speech. So we would do these big speeches and we would do some media afterwards, and it all you know they prepare the ground for what might be coming in those speeches, and you deliver it, and then you go off again. Um, and I don't think I'm breaking any confidences. Confidences in saying that she wasn't, the prime minister wasn't particularly comfortable in that broadcast interview environment and so part of the job was um trying to make that easier or and certainly better um obviously it didn't always work um but uh I mean the, the classic obviously the thing that everyone remembers is uh the running through wheat yes. fields of wheat interview um, Were
0: well, you like you know that Michael Spicer who does all those interviews? Yes. and he's in the net, the guy next door. So if anyone doesn't know, he he's got like a it's like Anton Deck, isn't it? He's got a mouthpiece yeah. and he talks. You weren't next door going. I know. Don't I was, I was no,
1: no, I was sitting in the room, um, and uh, we all heard it, and we all knew, and. But it it, it is a great question because it's actually a really difficult question for a politician to answer. What what do you do? Do you go full blow? Because the question was, what's the worst thing you've done? What's the naughtiest thing you've done? Do you say, hand on heart, you know, I've really done something. You know, there's a skeleton about to clamber out of a closet somewhere. Or, you know, you've got to find the right... And if you've got seconds to think, it's quite a difficult thing to do for for someone who's trying to be prime minister. Um, But obviously, the thing that came out played into an image... That was going to be very, very difficult to shake, um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I do think it is not a totally fair reflection of of uh, who Teresa is because she is, um, she was, I found her incredibly funny at times and with a very dry sense mm. of humour, and there were some lovely moments that I'll obviously never forget of flying around the world and um, those sort of personal interactions with someone who's leading the fifth largest. Uh, economy on the planet um was amazing and uh at times completely awe-inspiring mm. at the responsibility that they bear
0: and with the election where her majority was um was was lessened mm. uh at the time did you sort of think this this isn't was there a moment when you thought this isn't turning out as well as we'd
1: hoped we knew it was going wrong right. completely um obviously one quite clocked how wrong Uh, There was a particular meeting, I think it was about two weeks from the end, I mean, certainly after the manifesto launch, where we had had these meetings every day and someone came out and said, this must have been what it was like to work on the Clinton campaign. You knew you weren't performing. You knew it was going a bit wrong. You couldn't quite get the things across that you wanted to get across. Your main protagonist, to be honest, wasn't performing particularly brilliantly and was feeling the pressure. But, you know, it would be okay, wouldn't it? Mm. It would all be fine, surely no one's going to... um, And of course for Clinton it went completely wrong for us, it did go very wrong, but we clung on in there.
0: And in your job, were you at that stage going, right, what can I do to make things a little bit better? What can I set up?
1: Maybe I I should
0: push this interview.
1: That's right, I mean, there were... When we got back in, um, she gave an interview, I think it was to Emma Barnett, Of five live um and it was the first big interview after the election result and we did a lot of prep work for that with her um to try and you know find a way of getting the tone right because there'd been a lot of criticism about her tone afterwards uh and how you were going to talk about what happened um and it i mean she i think she that was the interview in which she said that you know she'd shed a tear on the night where she'd Um, Realised how bad it had gone, and we deliberately—I mean, little things like we deliberately decided to do the interview in the prime minister's own office, which up until that point no interview had happened in there, because we wanted to try and show that you know this was a chance to be more open, and we were going to let more people in, which was something that politically was being demanded of too. So it's all these things that these kind of tiny sort of nuances within it that you you want to try and think about to sell an overall an overall picture. but certainly, that, that period after the general election was incredibly tough. Yeah. Um,
0: and do you miss it? Because when this election happened recently, did is there a little bit of you that goes, "I'd actually quite like to be behind that door again, talking"? I'm.
1: I can't say that I wasn't a bit jealous of the team having Boris Johnson's team having secured the thing that we were trying to secure. Mm. Um, in 2017, and what it must be like to be in that building, not having every day an existential crisis that you think was going to bring you down, being able to have the space to do the thing that ultimately yeah. um, the, the prime minister wanted to do—that must be amazing. Do I want to be in there now? No. Um, I, you know, I think in those 18 months, you know, we had a general election, Donald Trump coming into the White House, the Brexit negotiations, and all that entailed. Um, the fallout from the general election uh, you know uh, bombing in Syria terror attacks I, I mean the multiple terror attacks during the general election campaign it was an unbelievably intense period um, I mean unlike anything perhaps that had been before it so to be have been in there during that was uh, enough Yeah, I, I
0: can imagine. Um, and are you still in touch with with Theresa yeah. May? And, and the I'm in touch team. with
1: some of the people that were in that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and now that everyone's come out, we meet up every now and again and sort of share war stories, share <laughs> war stories, um, talk about the things that no one knows about because you know you you I think it's it would be bad to, to come back out and blast everything that yeah. you knew about the war because. It's. It would be unfair. Um, I
0: guess you feel lucky though, as well, that you were there, that you experienced it, even though it was a very stressful time and a very difficult time at times. No, it's not many people get that experience.
1: No. Oh, I, I. Again, it was like that. That it's like, you know, you go in and you answer phones, at the, and then you know, years later, because you're working hard, you find yourself on the stage at the Sony Awards, or and. I mean, I did. I found myself sitting in a Cobra meeting. Wondering. This is like a film. Yeah. This is absolutely and the and the funny thing is, and people, you know, people do ask lots about is it like the thick of it? Mm. And the joke is, um, it's like the thick of it, except the only difference is that people wander around going, "This is like the thick of it," <laughs> um, but and then you get some West Wing moments of you're walking down the corridor with the Prime Minister with all these, you know, very fast, very fast into a Cobra room to discuss the yeah. latest crisis. Um, I think. St- probably 20% of it was a bit like that, you know, like out of a film, and the rest of it was very, very hard work. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: 18 months, I think, is enough. 18 months was enough. I and really with two do. young children, Yeah, I, don't just, was, I just don't know. <laughs> was, so they were from like nothing to, to yeah. age two and two to yeah. four. The, yeah, the, 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 the terrible... The t- terrible years. Oh, the full nexus of grief. terrible years. So you decided, time to go, and... Yeah. Uh, back to lbc yeah and the door was open for you
1: yes they, they again they'd um we you know I'd, i decided to leave and they we'd had conversations about um after i left what i was going to do um and they said would you like to come and do some presenting on on lbc and i thought yeah let's get let's 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 do it but
0: also you've got that insight now you yeah. i mean Without giving too much away, but you can, you know how government works. Yeah. So when you're interviewing politicians, you know that they might have just been told something by somebody, or they've just yeah. run somewhere. You know, there they, was certainly
1: a period of time where you'd hear a politician give an answer to a question. You go, oh, I remember that line. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's and, and actually, I do think uh, the way in which um, politics is covered and how the media is changing at the moment. I, I, and I would say this, wouldn't I? But I do think that having a bit of insight into how it works is no bad thing mm. ultimately um, and of course um, those who remain uh, reporters and journalists who have done it for a long time have a degree of insight but I I, you know nothing beats actually being in the room when um, and as much as you know I'm not going to give away absolutely everything that I heard saw and, and discussed whilst in there because that would be an appalling breach of trust um, absolutely being able to talk to your audience about do you know what this is what it's really like and things you know for instance recently big debate about uh should the uk have been notified by the us about the drone strike that Mm -hmm. was taken against the um the the iranian general and you know lots of commentary about well this is a sign that the special relationship is weakening Mm -hmm. the reality is very different the reality is they had a window of opportunity to do it they took it and we'd have talked. The people who need to talk about it would have talked about it afterwards. Um, uh, You know, being on the phone is being on the phone, listening to the conversations between the then prime minister Mm -hmm. and the president, um, getting an insight into how how senior world leaders talk to one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mind you, it is Trump, but you know (laughs) those kind of short
0: phone calls. uh, Yeah,
1: sometimes I mean, sometimes he. I mean, there's no difference, right? Yeah. Um, So, but that that insight has been. Even if I, you know, even if nothing happened afterwards and I wasn't doing LBC, you know, that insight has been the most incredible and privileged experience I think I will ever, ever mm-hmm. have. Um, and I was, again, incredibly lucky to, to have been involved with it, even if there were some very, very difficult moments. In oh, it. I
0: bet. And your show now is 10pm till 1am, so it you're off the weekends.
1: Yeah. Sunday doesn't Sundays count. Sundays. It's, it doesn't of, count. Yeah. it's basically Monday. Yeah, it is. Everyone's thinking about work <laughs> from about right. Sunday
0: that's lunchtime. Right. Frankly, yeah. well, I am. Um, and in terms of your day, then, because mm. it's so you, it's quite skewed towards the end of the day. Yeah. So you're, we're here at lunchtime. So you you pop in sometimes into London I'll and then pop, you go home again. That's right.
1: I'll pop in, go back because there's no public transport. I mean, this is literally <laughs> the logistics of my life. But um, I'll, I'll I'll drive in and I'll come and do the show and we'll come and set up and we'll do it. And I absolutely love this time of the day to do a radio program because you do get a different type of caller you get a much more honest discussion i think because people are I, i don't know apparently less inhibited um and you it it's been fantastic you get some hilarious moments you get some sad moments you just get all of all of life is there and i think for late night radio late night talk radio there is a kind of there is a a mood around it um, that you want to try and encourage on air, kind of sound to it, mm. a texture to it that um, we're trying to we're trying to bring about on air at the moment, which is um, is really fun to be involved with.
0: I grew up watching. It. I bet you don't remember it because I'm older than you. Um, Jack Hillihan at Killigan I'm I can't even say his name. It was Midnight Caller. It was mm. a it was a TV show mm. about a late night. Mm. Uh, you should look it up. I'm going to look it up. Da- My daughter's name skills. is uh, is she. We named her after the producer. That's how oh, really? sad I am. And uh, but it was he did this guy it was all it's American schmaltz so he mm. would save people who called in and That's it was right. just great American drama trash yeah um, but there is you know the lights are dimmed there is that sort yeah. of late yeah. night radio special yeah. it's real special I mean there are different parts of the day that are special on the radio but definitely late night so your day is then, so you you finish late, mm-hmm. get to bed, and then do you mm-hmm. wake up early or do you? Yeah,
1: I've, I've I've we've instituted a new regime where <laughs> I will I'll get up and I'll drive the kids to school. So I will wake up, you know, eight Ooh. o'clock, and you know get home at two, and get up at eight, and take the kids to school, and, and then, then, then you have a nap, and then I'll have a nap. Yeah, because um, uh,
0: it takes you a while, I guess, to, to wind down. But I guess driving home.
1: Yeah, driving home is actually quite helpful yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right, the adrenaline kicks it takes in. Takes an
0: hour, I reckon. And is. we've
1: had some big nights. I mean, you know, all the Brexit votes have happened. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, uh, on are. our time. After ten o'clock. We've had. Um, uh, we've uh, again just in the last week, the the missiles were fired by Iran whilst we were on air, and you've got to roll with it. I love that side. I mean, if I could just do three yeah. hours of rolling breaking news, that I would be happy. Yeah. I mean, I I just love the the feel of of that and the having to try and manage it all is is really fun on air because um, i was
0: going to ask you what next because you've got this podcast yes everyone's done a podcast these everyone's days um, the th- but the this the is this is more world, world yeah news. so
1: one again so one of the things that i um found myself being drawn towards when i was in number 10 was the the foreign policy and the national security and defense just because it's at times it's quite cool you know there are spies Um, and uh, so I found myself drawn to that and one of the frustrations was because of the way in which um, the politics of it were, you know, Brexit was all-consuming, there was limited opportunity to talk about these kinds of of issues and there are so many incredible things happening in Britain um, and so much that Britain is involved with around the world that is totally open for debate right now, partly because Brexit is over and people are thinking, well who are we? What are we for in the world? Um, and the way in which technology is changing is is asking a lot of different questions about the armed forces, about how we do foreign policy, all these different things. And I wanted to try and find somewhere to answer those questions, find people who are doing really interesting things, and and get them to to talk about it. So, you know, we've it's called Rule Britannia, so it upsets all the right people, and it uh, it it talks about. Um, we've got an episode about space and what britain is doing in space the fact that the chinese have a rover on the dark side of the moon that's mining apparently mining for material on the moon they're creating a 3d printer that can print stuff out of moon dust so when you send stuff up to the moon you don't need to carry it with you You can just print it when you're up there um and these things are happening they're all happening right now and um I, I was looking for a, a place to try and talk about that, and I, hopefully that this is this is the the place for it.
0: And, and what next for you? Staying on the radio or, or going back to doing a bit of comedy because you still haven't I, done
1: uh, that? No, no, no way. Stand-up I think our, super, our supermarket stand-up. our supermarket chat started and finished there. we going okay. back. Um, uh, I I don't know. I I I love LBC um, as as <laughs> is probably shown by the fact that I can't leave <laughs> without coming back. <laughs> Keep coming back. I I I do love it. I think it is. um it is doing very, very different things in this industry at the moment. Very exciting things. I think there's a lot, many more exciting things to come. I think the general election coverage on LBC, which I was pleased to be involved with, was terrific. You know, everything was streamed live, footage, you know, different cameras around. Every You know, there's not many radio stations that do that. Mm. Are, we, are we a radio station anymore? What are we if, you know, it's on the radio, but it's mm. done in... So... Um I do I I love LBC and um I'm I'm trying to grow an audience at late nights which I I'm really enjoying doing and the podcast is is something that I, I it's a little sort of passion of mine that I really want to try and grow so and right it, now yeah. stability strong and stable
0: I like and if uh, anyone was listening and they wanted to be on the radio and do reporting and all the things you've done <laughs> work for the prime yeah. minister yeah. it's an interesting career path it's, isn't it yeah. Um, don't do things you don't want to do I would say because everything you've not wanted to do you haven't hung around doing it for long no so that's you know. right but
1: th- I mean that sounds quite um, self-involved doesn't it don't do things you don't want to do Is I, I, you're always going even when you're in something you want to do you're always going to have to do things that you don't like but I think the I now I, I try and do when I'm asked anyway um, uh, radio academy um, things for, for people who are going through uh, doing studying radio or want to try and get into radio and the thing I try and land on is, and this is probably a bit offensive, but I think it is true, you don't have to be that good to, to get somewhere. And, and the first thing that people coming through the door now that I look when they're just starting out to see is, are you engaged with the programme? Are you coming with ideas? Have you listened to things? Do you read the news, particularly if you work on LBC? Or are you going to sit there, wait to be told to do something, um, not really be that involved, look a bit truculent and a bit moody and feel that you should be being paid more for the job you're doing? All those things are probably true. But the person that displays desire, wanting to learn, wanting to get on, involved in it, um, enjoys it, Honestly, that is—you're half the way there.
0: Work hard; the hours might be tricky, yeah. but yeah. just yeah keep going. And if we were to look back on those pivotal moments in your career, it's—it's um, it's all those starting out and, mm. and and doing all those things that you've just mentioned, and really being keen and really loving it. But also, you say luck, but it's not luck; it's having the right attitude, isn't it? And
1: there's and a bit of that. i th- There's a friend, a good friend, who says you make your own luck. Um, which to some extent is true but it, I think it's always you always have to appreciate those moments that could have gone very differently you know had I not walked up at the stairs of that thing would I have bumped into the person who was
0: but you bit, had all those CVs in your pockets. so all you those, had so intention yeah the you? intention
1: was there um, so if it
0: hadn't been her it could have been somebody else and you might be have been working on another radio station could have been
1: yeah. um, all those sort of sliding doors moments so yes it does re- it, I'm afraid it does there is an element of luck required in all of these things but um if you start in the right place, then you're right. Things tend to happen and doors tend to open. Um, and it is true as well about just trying to be as nice to everybody as you possibly can be. Because, you know, there's, I mean, literally here, there's a guy who, he's now my boss, and I was talking to him years ago when he was a student looking (laughs) to get into radio, and he's literally now my boss. So you just, you you know, you never know. Even from a self-preservation point (laughs) of view, you never know.
0: That's really good (laughs) advice, really is. Well, listen, I guess we're heading towards your kip time, aren't we? Uh, This is
1: nearly nap time, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, I could do with a nap as well. Not because you've bored me, I I would like (laughs) to say. It's been really fascinating just hearing about, you know, from from working in, in local radio, but all the way up to Theresa May's at number 10 and, and to what you do now thank you so much for talking to me
1: thank you so much for asking me to do it and it's so lovely to see you again and we once this is off we'll we'll gossip about what's really going on <laughs> okay <fix it>. yeah. <laughs> thank you tom thank you
0: well thanks to tom for taking the time to talk to me uh you can follow him on twitter at tomswalbrick one we're on twitter too at where Go right. If you love hearing from broadcasters, we've got Bob Harris, Henry Moran, Al Murray, Chris Lintot, Julia Rayside, Holly Samos, Adam Buxton and Natalie Jameson on season one. You can subscribe, you can rate us as well. That would be really helpful. I know it's boring, but as long as it's a good one, a good rating would be fabulous for us on Podbean, iTunes and Spotify. And thank you to Megan for production and also to Laura Shipsey for the music. We'll see you next week. This episode of Where Did It All Go Right? is sponsored by Pearson. Pearson is the world's learning company, supporting talent and helping everyone to make progress in their lives through learning. Working with teachers and education experts, Pearson provides a wide range of qualification routes, so you can pick the course which suits you best to develop your creativity and stand out in the crowd. Visit them online at go.pearson.com forward slash where did it all go right.